Oh, this time of year just has me going nuts. I am Dave Denholm, Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. So much to talk about on this week's show. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. I, I got to tell you, the off season it feels like it's shorter and shorter every year, which is a good thing, even though it isn't actually physically, but just mentally, which is a good thing. And there's always so much going on now in the MLS offseason, whether it's signing of new players by LAFC, the leaving of some players around the league going elsewhere. We saw the Galaxy, Fabio Alvarez takes off to Liga Mekis, and MLS expanding, which seems to be happening at a rapid pace. Charlotte, team number 30 for MLS, just officially introduced earlier today at a press conference in Charlotte with the owner of the Carolina Panthers, who owns the Charlotte franchise here, which is yet to to be named, David Tepper. We'll talk with uh, Nick Wilson of Charlotte coming up later about that move into that market for Don Garber and MLS. And it's, again, we talked about it a little bit, uh, apparently reportedly $325 million to join the league for the Charlotte franchise, obviously the biggest fee ever paid, and then some. We've got uh, the Club World Cup. Big games out of that. I watched Flamengo take on Al-Hilal earlier. Ah, oh, i got to tell you, this is the most underrated thing in the sport. One of the most underrated thing in all of sports is the FIFA Club World Cup. And I talk about it every year on the show, and some of you just don't get the message. Some of you do, and it's great to have that conversation on Twitter with you, at Talk Soccer, if you want to continue it there. Flamengo pulls away from Al-Hilal with two late goals, 3-1. to one. They actually had three unanswered in the second half. They were actually trailing. 1-0 to Al-Hilal, who kind of, as uh, some of my friends on Twitter, including Albert, uh, said, yeah, Al-Hilal kind of seemed to hit a wall physically. Looked like Sebastian Jovinko got subbed out for Al-Hilal in the second half. You remember him, of course, from TFC and Juventus. He kind of looked like he was running out of gas. I didn't think that was a bad sub, but it was 1-1 at the time. And I thought Jorge Jesus, the manager, great manager from the Flamengo. Flamengo's loaded. They are a really good team. I thought him bringing in Diego late through the midfield was a really good move. Changed the game in a lot of ways. Bruno Henrique is so talented. He made a lot of the difference, scoring the what turned out to be the game-winning goal, the second goal for Flamengo, and then forcing an own goal just four minutes after that. And then Andre Carrillo got a red card, straight red for Al-Hilal, and it was over. 3-1, the final. Flamengo goes on to the final. They'll take on either Liverpool or Monterrey. That game comes up on Wednesday. Can't wait for that one. 9.30 a.m. our time, Pacific time, for the kickoff. Monterey and Liverpool. The winner of that one goes on to take on Flamengo for the uh, top spot here in the FIFA Club World Cup. And the reason it's so underrated is because too many lazy... i got to tell you, I think there are a lot of casual fans in most sports. Baseball, football, NBA, you know, you get it. A lot of casual fans, a lot of casual soccer fans around the world. But there's also a lot of dumb soccer fans, ignorant soccer fans, and blinded soccer fans. Yeah, I don't mind saying it. If i got to take some heat from it, I will. Because too often in soccer fandom, we just assume too much. Oh, Flamengo, they're from Brazil. They're going to crush Al-Hilal. Now, the final score is 3-1, Denholm. They did cru- no, if you didn't, if you didn't watch that game, shut up. Al-Hilal was the better team most of that game. Flamengo deserved to win in the end, but they weren't the better side. They actually were playing pretty poorly. First half was a, just a joke. But Jorge Jesus made some nice changes. 
tactically, and of course, Flamengo, very talented team, really good side. They're going to give whoever they play in the final a heck of a game, no doubt. But it's you cannot just presume, oh, of course they're going to win, and of course Liverpool's going to crush everybody. Did you see Real Madrid in this competition over the years, last few years they were there, battling tooth and nail? Yes, they did well. But, man, it was not a cakewalk like everybody just presumes. These are great matches because it's clubs all over the world. You don't see them often, at least unless you're a diehard. How many times have you seen Flamengo get to play? Awesome club from Brazil. Having a great year. And they deserve to win on the day. Al-Hilal ran out of gas. Didn't quite have enough. But they played great through 75 minutes. They were taking it to Flamengo. They looked to be no, there looked to be no difference between the clubs for 75 minutes other than Al-Hilal was the one on the front foot most of the time and playing well. And it just, it just bothers me that fans are just so kind of myopic often in soccer. Oh, well, what league are they from? Well, of course they're better. Really? Go prove it. Let's see if Liverpool wins this. And if they do, good. Good for them. They are a great team. They probably will win. But it's not a foregone conclusion like most people think. And that's why this competition is so painfully underrated. And that just makes me love it all the more. I love it every year. You're going to hear me talking about it all the time. LAFC gets another signing of a young Uruguayan. Have you heard that uh, familiar refrain? Midfielder Francisco Eginella. Youngster comes over from Wanderers. And one of the, what, 78 clubs that are huge in Montevideo, I think, over there in uh, Uruguay. I mean, you wonder why I put Montevideo in one of my best soccer cities in the world. My goodness. The clubs that are there, just absurd. The talent coming through that country, and it's not even a huge country. But, man, do we know it here at LAFC, huh? Wanderers come to, will now supply another player for LAFC as they pick up Francisco Ginella. Tough midfielder. You watch some uh, tape on him. You can see he knows how to play the game. And that's the one thing I love about the, the players, not just LAFC, although they're doing a great job of it, but so many of the players MLS teams are bringing in from Central and South America, they really know how to play at a young age. Janela, just what, 20? So, and it's been fun to see some of the fans from around MLS talking about who LAFC could have on the pitch at the same time. And it's a crowded midfield for LAFC, mind you, but there'll be plenty of time with, you know, people missing, as it always does, as the season goes on, for other commitments, national, you know, you know how things go. And Janela will certainly get plenty of time, whether or not he's a starter from day one, who knows. But in a crowded mid, he fits right in with the likes of Mark Anthony Kay and Eduardo Tuesta. Look at I mean, look at the players that brought in from South America. Eduardo Tuesta, Eddie Segura, Diego Rossi now, Brian Rodriguez, Uruguayans, as well as Ginella. So unbelievable the scouting that LAFC is doing down in South America and getting this youngster in who is a part of the under-23 Uruguayan national team. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to him. Now, I I believe the Spanish announcers that I've watched pronounce his name Ginella. Ginella. So Francisco Ginella. So I hope I'm getting that right. The last name. Because those are the announcers that I've heard and listened to that do the you know the Spanish 
broadcasts of some of his games. Certainly down in Uruguay, and also even for... He played in that under-20 World Cup with Brian Rodriguez for Uruguay. So, welcome aboard to the Black and Gold. Always good to see the signings coming in, right? The silly season, as they call it in all sports. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. I am just so pumped for what's going on, not only around the rest of the league, but LAFC getting ready, of course, for the Champions League. That'll add some depth there. Just cannot wait, dude. I am so fired up. It is unbelievable. You think, like, oh, it's such a slow time, right? End of the MLS season. We're kind of in between. It's holiday. No! Too much going on, and I love every minute of it. Champions League, the round of 16 draw. We'll be breaking that down still to come. We'll have Vince LaRosa coming up from LAFC to talk more about the latest signing in Ginella. That and so much more as we roll on. Again, Nick Wilson coming up to talk about the move into Charlotte for MLS and what that does to that market down there in the Carolinas, which has always been a, a hotbed for soccer in America. I mean, you can start with North Carolina and the women's program down there has been incredible over the years. Men's and women's football thrives in the Carolinas, and we'll see what happens in Charlotte in MLS. Plus, stoppage time and that so much more still to get to. I am Dave Denholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California. And we are rolling on. Still to come, Nick Wilson of WFNZ Radio in Charlotte going to talk about the latest expansion side in MLS. Number 30 for the league as MLS officially expands to Charlotte with new owner David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. As we've seen that succeed with Arthur Blank. We'll see what happens there. We are also the home of LAFC. It is time for one of our favorite segments each and every every week, Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. All right, real, real quick here, disclaimer about radio. One of the things that makes a good radio host, in my humble opinion, is you got to be honest with your listener. Right, and you're driving around on the 710, the 405, the one wherever you are. You love radio. You don't even necessarily love soccer. You love this show. So I got to be honest with you. I love Max Predas. I love Mark Rogandino. I love those guys. But my favorite guest is Vince Larosa from LAFC, and he's joining us now at LAFC. Vince, Vince, if you tell those guys that, I'll deny it. But I had to tell my listener. The truth. You are my favorite buddy. Welcome to Black and Gold Breakdown yet again. He's a friend of the show and a friend of mine. It's always good to talk to you. How do we pronounce uh, this young gentleman's name? We just signed Francisco Ginella. Is that uh, what's the, is that the is that the way to pronounce that with the hard G? Dave, you've nailed it. Oh. Yeah, he does. Uh, he is from Uruguay, but uh, has some I believe some Italian heritage with an Italian passport. So you nailed that uh, Italian pronunciation. Well, I knew you would know that. That's for sure. <laughs> so that's a good place to start. Oh, yes. More importantly, Vince, another great quality signing from a young South American player, highly regarded. The Uruguayan comes from a different club here. It's not the Peñarol connection, but Wanderers there, another Montevideo club, one of, I think, about 38 that are fantastic in that city. Talk a little bit about what you know of the midfielder, the young midfielder, Ginella. So uh, unlike a lot of guys uh, in South America, Pancho is, is his nickname that he's going to go by. Nice. Um, he has a, a pretty extensive uh, catalog on YouTube. So you can actually get a pretty good look at him over a 40-minute uh, clip. So I had a chance to really dive into it. Um, you know, he's, he's the LFC midfielder that you expect. He's a, he's a two-way guy. We know that Bob Bradley's system doesn't cater to somebody that's either ultra-defensive or, or, you know, a true number 10 like a Juan Roman Roquelme. I yeah. mean, he's, he's good on the ball. 
Um, but he's definitely tactically aware um, and has those strong all-around skills. He's just he's just a multifaceted guy, a guy that you can plug pretty much in anywhere in those three midfield positions and, and feel comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get the same sense. Uh, Janela, to me, I love the vision. And he looks, and I'm not saying he's the same player by any means, but can we compare him a little bit to an Eduardo Tuesta? Yeah, I think I think Edward's a good comparison, a good profile. I would say uh, Janela, maybe a little bit more of a ball winner. Maybe uh, you know we don't like to use the the word the saying true number six, yeah. but he's the closest thing we might have to a true number six. Whereas Edward, maybe a little smoother on the ball, a little bit better going forward, but both can get forward. I mean, if you watch uh, the Under Twenty World Cup, and oddly enough, uh, the Poncho scored a goal from an assist from one Brian Rodriguez. Um, it's a great goal where he gets a, he gets finds a face in the box gets there at the right time meets the pass and it's it's a tidy finish so uh he he probably needs a little bit more polish um to get to edward's level going forward but defensively uh when you want to talk about dealing with transition um and dealing with uh defending in space uh he's got he's got that in space vince what and we're talking with vince larosa you can check him out on twitter at lafc vince he's got the great podcast with max bredas over at lafc lafc.com and we love talking to him here on the black and gold breakdown Vince, what is it in terms of the scouting system with LAFC? And we, we know that it's obviously embedded now in South America, and especially in Uruguay, but not just Uruguay. What is it about the players that they're looking for? You mentioned it briefly with the two-way players and all that, but what about the mentality? What, what, what is LAFC looking for when we're talking about such young professional guys who have still been around for a while already in the professional game? Right. I mean, I think that's important. They need guys that, that want to be on the ball. They want to play. Uh, you can't hide an LFC system. Everyone yeah. has to be uh, available for the ball. Everyone has to be willing to, to make decisions in, in instances where they're going to feel like maybe they could fail. Um, and it's okay to make mistakes because the next guy is going to pick you up. But you're going to be put into space, and you're going to be basically left out there to, to make decisions on your own. That's why you want guys that are a little bit younger, but they're still seasoned. Um, and they're willing to just go out there and put it all on the line. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We are talking with Vince LaRosa of LAFC. This is Black and Gold Breakdown. A large chunk of it, of course, Francisco Janela officially announced as the newest signing for LAFC. Now, we've talked about it, uh, Vince, how Chiqui Palacios, Brian Rodriguez, we talked about it on this show. Those guys were added last year, but they're really, you could count them as signings for 2020 as well. So it's good to see another guy brought in because you never know. It's like, Obviously, LAFC's roster is very, very established, but they do still need to seemingly add a lot more midfield depth. This helps, but there has to be more on the table, I would assume. I, I do think another midfielder is, is probably on the offing. I mean, you look at the squad, and, and we play with three midfielders. There's already three spots you got to take up, so you got to really have depth for all those. And one of the things that I talked to Bob Bradley today about Francisco Janela, and this came up just in general, was Francisco now gives them a little bit of versatility. Uh, he actually specifically brought up the fact that, you know, with Latif, he was so great in midfield this year, but don't forget, they were able to plug him in at right back and have him play right back. So if you bring in another midfielder, maybe you can move some guys around and really have some versatility where you can play some guys in positions where maybe we're not used to it, but the coaching staff has had them out there on the training ground in other positions and, and really trying different things. Yeah, very interesting. Uh I will say, um, well, you talked to him. You mentioned it. You talked to him earlier today out at the uh, training center, Bob Bradley. Uh, how does he look at putting together a midfield in terms of that two-way 
What is it about this system with the 4-3-3 that he especially likes to employ, Vince? It makes them so crucial. Obviously, midfield is a, a big part of soccer anyway, but even more so under Bradley's system. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing you always get with Bob when you're asking about his midfield is recognition of space. Yeah. He needs midfielders that, that know when to uh, get into space to receive the ball, also know when to plug in gaps when they don't have the ball. I think of all the position groups, the knowing of where each one is at any given time is so important for LFC and, and the rotations that they, that they need their midfielders to do to really drive the team forward and get guys like Carlos Vela on the move so Carlos is always going up against a defender that's already on his back. Oh, great stuff. As always, we're talking with LAFC Vince, at LAFC Vince on Twitter, Vince LaRosa. Check him out at LAFC.com. He's got the podcast with the great Max Prados as well. Love your podcast, by the way. Vince, let's take a look around now. Uh, this is black and gold breakdown, but one of the things you have to look at is who LAFC will be playing, of course. And mm-hmm. we, we know the Leon matchup comes up very tough. You've got to beat great teams in the Champions League, so I don't really care who they got drawn with. <laughs> I really don't. You have to win against the best, and you're going to have to do it four times anyway. But overall, MLS teams getting better. There's no doubt about it. I know that's a cliche, but what are you seeing, Vince? Are you, has anything stood out to you outside of the black and gold as like, whoa, what's going on here in MLS with this side? Boy, this looks good. Well, I mean, we've seen some guys, you bring up League MX guys, we've seen some guys now come over from yes. League MX, which is, which is an interesting development. It's not the guys that we were kind of used to where you, know, you get your older guys that are kind of coming through like Potomac Blanco. I mean, Alan Polito is, is a, is a big time signing and at a prime age for a striker. Um, you know, Vancouver getting Lucas Cavallini, I think that's a very good move for them. He's a Canadian international. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. The, the balance of talent, I, I agree with you. We're, we're catching up just in general. Um, uh, but also we're, it looks like we're, we're starting to, uh, you know, steal a couple of the better players out of League MX. I mean, if Roger Martinez ends up moving from Club America to, uh, to enter Miami or, or wherever in MLS. I mean, that's that's a hat trick of strikers that we've taken um, from from decent teams in League MX. Vince, uh, your thoughts on uh, the re- like uh, not just the rest of the West, but obviously Seattle. More of the teams that are going to be playing in this Champions League with LAFC. We know that Seattle, the champions of MLS Cup, uh, the other teams involved. You mentioned you know Vancouver, well Montreal, the fellow Canadian side. They're involved as well as the Canadian champs. What are your thoughts on some of those teams and the possibilities as they approach this Champions League? You know, it's interesting. Teams have been kind of quiet, right? And I think yeah. a lot of that might be to deal with, you know, there's, there's still the MLS CBA that, that's up in the air. Um, and so a lot of teams have kind of leaned on that to say, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of figuring out our, our gaps in there. But also, I think, you know, you look at Seattle, you look at Atlanta, there's not much that they need. It's yeah. just like LFC, where it's kind of around the edges. You know, they have a, a good team, and I think, Seattle especially. I mean, they got you know probably the kindest draw of anyone um, in that in the Champions League. But they, they really just need to sharpen up around the edges. And I, I like that Seattle more so than other years is coming off of uh, you know a, a trophy winning season and saying, okay, Champions League, we're we're going to take it serious. It's not just going to be a competition that we're happy to be there. And I, I like that from them because their draw set up nicely, and I think they have a team that could could make some noise. Um, and that can only be good for us the more teams we get. Uh, into the semifinals and hopefully into the finals as well. Vince, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I also don't think, it, look, I know everybody's screaming about, oh, they never can beat the Liga Mackey side. The games between Liga Mackey's and MLS in the Champions League the last few years have been incredible. You know, nip and tuck, tight. Toronto FC was clearly the best team in the year that they were beaten by a, a, a Chivas side that didn't, you know, didn't clearly have the talent Toronto did, but they just they knew how to win with uh, Matias Omeda, and we see that now with him 
at San Jose, I think the two leagues are really a lot closer than people would even argue right now. Oh, absolutely. And I think one thing to think about, and it maybe it's almost too inside baseball, but think about those great League MX teams. They had, they had such firepower up front and, and stout defenses. They could get from defense to offense so quickly. Yeah. And what we've seen in MLS these past few seasons, especially with LSC and some of the better teams like Atlanta, teams are getting better at transition moments. I think the better that MLS teams get at transition moments and the better they get with players that can really just you know, fly forward and get into those gaps and either you know, score a goal or break up a play when they need to, that's going to fare better for them, especially when you go to places like uh, you know, Azteca and, and big Mexican venues where you know, those teams come out and they, they come out flying and they're going yeah. to get on you and they, they don't want to play through the midfield. They want to get the ball to their star players and they want to go out there and want to score goals. Okay, therein officially ends the black and gold breakdown portion of the segment. We're talking with LAFC Vince on Twitter, at LAFC Vince. Vince LaRosa, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. Now, Vince, we have to turn it to your uh, other love in Juventus, the uh, Champions League draw that just occurred. You know, look, I mean, anybody can beat anybody. Uh, I, I like the matchup, though, against Lyon. Certainly a good team, and they could beat you, no doubt. But I like the actual heads-up matchup that Juventus got against Lyon in this uh, round of 16. Yeah, I think Leon's interesting. I mean, obviously, the the one thing Juventus is going to benefit from, and, and sadly, is, is the injury to Memphis Depay. It looks like yeah. he's going to be out uh, long term, and and that's unfortunate. Memphis, Memphis Depay is a guy that I think kind of gets bad bad rap because of his time at Manchester United, but has really resurrected his career. Great forward. Um, I would say though, even without Memphis Depay, Leon is a team that presses, and you know, you have a team like Juventus who still seems to be figuring out: Are, are we? Are we young enough that we want to play an athletic game? Can can we can we deal with teams that want to get on top of our players and get right out in their faces? I'm 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 inclined to believe because you know I'm a big Juventus fan that it, it was a kind draw and, and Juventus should go through. Um, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as everyone wants to make it seem just because of one major injury. Yeah, and what about the Serie A now? I know, and where is Ronaldo in all this? I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo. My goodness, I don't know how you can play the game better than he and Lionel Messi have done over the years. But where is he? And obviously Juventus battling with Inter right at the top of uh, Serie A with Lazio breathing right down there next. Where is Cristiano Ronaldo in all of this? How, do, how does he look? You know, he, he's, he's, he's in, a, in a transition moment. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like it, with, with Juventus trying to learn what kind of game they're going to go with Mauricio Sarri and how they're going to change the, the style of play, You've got a player that, like you said, is dominated for the past decade. Yeah. Um, and he's learning, hey, you know, I don't have what he used to have where I could just get out in the wing, bust by a guy, and, and get a shot off. He's got he's to find different ways uh, to get into those small spaces. And, I mean, he's still probably the best header of the ball in, in, in the entire game. But Juventus probably is trying to steer away from being a team that just sends crosses in and hopes that Ronaldo can jump over a guy. Um, so I think he's trying to learn moments and, it's interesting to see him with Gonzalo Higuain and, and Dybala and everyone saying, well, how, how can you play all three? Yeah, it seems like the, they get the best out of all three um, when they put them in moments, especially if you bring Dybala in off the bench. So I think they're going to have to figure that out, um, and they're going to have to kind of – It's there's only one ball out there, but you got Ronaldo trying to fill in the same space as all three of those guys. They've really just got to make sure their rotations are good and, and just keep Ronaldo close to goal. The closer you can keep him to goal – he'll be able to get his shot off. You just don't expect him to do you know, the things we used to see him do where he would basically yeah. take the ball 60 yards and finish <laughs> it off. Well, we'll put you on the spot. Do they win the Scudetto? I think they do. I just, I, 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 Inter, Inter is Inter. 
it's what they do. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they take everything down to the wire. I mean, this this last Champions League game was perfect example. They had everything in their hands and they managed to, to throw it all away. Um, I, I do think that they're much better. Uh, I would not be surprised if in the next season uh, Antonio Conte gets gets his team going. I mean, if anyone's a drill sergeant that can, you know, knock a team in, into being winners after being forever losers, it's him. Um, but I think it might take one year. I think Juve's got, got this and Next year, you know, Ronaldo's one more year older, so why not? Oh, great stuff as always. Uh, we took it a little farther than maybe even Vince knew, but I always appreciate your time, Vince. Vince LaRosa from LAFC, LAFC.com. Check out the podcast with Max Bredos at LAFC Vince on Twitter. Just love talking the beautiful game with you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure all year. Fantastic stuff from Vince LaRosa, the Black and Gold Breakdown. Here in the home of the Black and Gold, we continue on Champions League draw. You heard me talk a little bit about Juve's draw with Vince. More of that still to come. Plus, we've got Nick Wilson from WFNZ Radio in Charlotte. Dave Dunholm, ESPN LA, 710. Oh, even more excited for the upcoming 2020 campaign after talking with Vince LaRosa of LAFC on the Black and Gold Breakdown last segment. If you missed anything, by the way, you can podcast the show if you ever miss anything. Go to iTunes, go to ESPN Pod Center, go to your... Podcatcher, search for Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunholm. Subscribe, rate, and review, please. We love you for it. We love you for listening here. You heard Vince and I talk a little bit about this after Black and Gold Breakdown there. The Champions League round of 16 draw after the group stage had ended took place earlier in the week. Now we know who the each team is going to play. And let's just break this down, shall we? Talked a little bit about how, uh, last week, how it's the big countries, right? The big leagues this year dominate the final 16. You've got Germany, you've got England, you've got Spain, you've got France, you've got Italy. The usual suspects. There's no real minnow coming through as maybe, not a minnow club. Nobody's a minnow club that makes the round of 16 by any means. But you didn't have, like, the Shakhtar getting through, something like that over the year, you know, like, a team like Benfica or something from Portugal, great club this year. You know, like you don't have that. This year it's all big club, big clubs from big leagues. And we start with that juventus Lyon matchup. That'll begin on the 26th of February. It's one of the later matchups. And I was talking to Vince, who is a diehard Juventus fan. If you listen to that segment, you heard that. And I do like this matchup for Juventus. I think it fits well for them. I think certainly any of these teams, we say it all the time, any of these teams can win in the round of 16. There's no real major upset by any means at this point. You're talking on small edges here. But Lyon are not lighting up the French Liga on this year. They did get through, and maybe their focus has been more on the Champions League, and maybe it will continue to be that way. So anybody can, but I like Juventus' matchup there. Also starting on the 26th, the last date of the first round match, or the, or the first matches to be played in these two-leg ties, Real Madrid and Man City. That is a, a juicy tie, to be sure. Although City, Pep Guardiola, I, you know, I said it all along this year, I don't really see that dominant team. Not in the Premiership. I know Liverpool's running away with it on, you know, in the standings. But I don't really see any dominant like world-level, we're going to remember them for all time kind of clubs. Now, if Liverpool were to win the Champions League again a second straight year, that'd be hard to forget, make no mistake. But even Liverpool, so I don't see Man City as this dominant. I mean, they've lost four games in the Premiership. Still, it's a team that can score goals. 
They can score quickly. They got a lot of talent. I think De Bruyne actually. You know, I hate you know, people are just going to rip on me for this. He has to be massive against Real Madrid. I don't think he's been like that great this year. I'll say it. He scored some cracking goals every now and again, but he's got to step up. I think Real Madrid's going to win that series, or should. Now, the uh, games that start on the uh, February 18th, the first of the knockout, or I should say the two-leg tie round here in this round of 16, Borussia Dortmund takes on PSG. PSG, for my money, is the favorite in the tournament. Dortmund, can they can they win this? Yes, of course. Just think PSG is going to have a little too much offense when it matters. Atletico taking on Liverpool, a nice, healthy tie there for both. That's going to be interesting. And that could be a real slugfest to me. Liverpool's having trouble defensively, although Atletico's going to let them come out. You know, it's a kind of a, it's a give-and-take situation there. I really believe that one hinges not on the return leg to Anfield. It hinges on this first leg on February 18th. If Liverpool come out and play well in that one, they'll get through, and I think they will. Atalanta on February 19th takes on Valencia, and then Tottenham takes on Leipzig. I love that. Oh, that's a good matchup there. Spurs, to me, up and down, to say the least. Not loving how they've been playing this season. They're they're good. They're all right. They got in the round of 16 here. That's fine. They could go a long way again. Leipzig, though, could could take it to them in this one. Atlanta has kind of been the, uh, the surprise, if you will. That's a great matchup against Valencia. I love that one of those teams is in the eight. Love that. I don't even know who I'm going to pre- predict on that one yet. We'll get there when we get closer. These are not like official predictions yet anyway. Chelsea and Bayern Munich. That is really good. I can't wait to see Christian Pulisic go after Bayern. And Napoli gets the tough one. That is a tough draw against Barcelona. Though, again, is Barcelona really all that good this year, comparatively speaking, in terms of how they have been? Yeah, they're great. Don't get me wrong. they got great talent. and they get, uh, I don't know. Napoli, 500 in the uh, Serie A, probably focused a little more on the uh, Champions League, as you might imagine. But even Barcelona, I know they're at the top. I know they're leading uh, the Spanish uh, La Liga on points with Real Madrid, but on goal difference they lead. But are they really are they, the unbeatable? No, they've lost three games in the league already. So it's wide open, and I love it for it. I'm super pumped and excited about the Champions League because of it. It's going to be good. That is the draw for the round of 16. Your thoughts on some of the teams that jump out at you, you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. This is Soccer Weekly. Coming up next, Nick Wilson, WFNZ Radio in Charlotte as we talk about Charlotte being the 30th expansion team, 30th team, I should say, the newest expansion side in MLS. That and still so much more to get to, including stoppage time. We roll on here on the home of world football, the home of LAFC here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710 on the home of world football, the home of LAFC here in Los Angeles. I am Dave Dedholm. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. We continue the conversation with a friend of mine from WFNZ Radio in Charlotte after the big news out of MLS. Charlotte getting expansion team number 30, franchise number 30 in MLS. He is Nick Wilson from WFNZ. Wilson and Parcel in the middays. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. I know, uh, full disclosure, you're not a huge soccer guy. I wanted the feel of what's going on in Charlotte, though, 
for this MLS side to be coming in under the uh, manager, the owner of the the uh, Carolina Panthers. Well, I, I didn't know if this was going to turn into a real quick public shaming when you said I wasn't a real big soccer fan. But, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's it's been a cool couple weeks here. You know, really going back to Dave Tepper, uh, I'd say probably in January, on, on the low-key, kind of telling everyone in Charlotte, this was a huge missive, uh, this is a huge mission of his. And, you know, anybody who's ever met Dave Tepper knows when Dave Tepper wants something as bad as he wanted MLS – when he has his heart set on something, he will move heaven and earth. It started with hiring a guy like Tom Glick, who had, uh, you know, uh, you know, across the seas experience with a, with a soccer club. And then, I mean, he's just, if you look at, at all the other expansion candidates that he bypassed, uh, he really did move heaven and earth to get this done. That's a great point, uh, Nick. A very good point. In fact, people in Vegas, people in Phoenix are kind of sh- scratching their heads a bit, but you know, the MLS has had a long history with NFL owners, and even a recent one with Arthur Blank that has done so well in Atlanta. You feel that way about Tepper? It sounds that way, that he is the kind of guy who is going to make sure this is a successful MLS franchise. Yeah, I think Tepper was a huge part of this. I mean, you know, uh, there were a lot of hurdles here, uh, including the fact that the stadium is... Uh, maybe not the most conducive to a soccer product. Uh, I, that was part of it. Uh, I think there were some other things here. And to his credit, uh, not only did he secure funding from the city of Charlotte to, to really work on this stadium, he also really found a way. I mean, he they met. It was an exhaustive kind of process, meeting with Don Garber, meeting with MLS folks. Every couple weeks, having them in, you know, looking at the stadium, doing this kind of study, making sure that they could prove that the community interest was there. So, yeah, it, it's been it's been fascinating. And listen, Dave Tepper is going to be one of, if not the richest owner in the MLS. I'm sure that helped, but I really do think the the fact that he was so proactive with getting the franchise in the first place. I think that told the MLS this isn't a vanity project for him. This isn't just uh, you know, well, I'm going to be able to say that I have a soccer team. He's going to put a lot of money into this uh, club, and he's going to do the best he can financially to support this team, which, as we have talked about off-air, is such a huge part of making a real dent in the MLS. We are talking with Nick Wilson from WFNZ in Charlotte. He hosts the middays there, Wilson and Parcel, a buddy of mine. And, uh, Nick, you mentioned it. Tepper is, he's actually a soccer guy, has that history in him, which I love. One of the owners of LAFC is a diehard MLS fan and was for a long time before buying into that club, of which I work, of course, here on ESPN LA. That is a big thing. But, Nick, what about the rest of the market? Charlotte is a booming, up-and-coming, not just sports town. It's just a a great American city. And now it's just, uh, obviously, one further step in the sports town uh, moniker, if you will. But what about this area for soccer? I mean, the Carolinas have always been known to love the beautiful game. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the support uh, here in, in, I mean, this goes actually even beyond Pepper for just international international matches. Uh, yeah. Of course, they just had the women's team roll through here. They have had a really nice history here of being able to support those those products. I mean, even oh, I can't remember the two teams off the top of my head. It was not a great matchup on on the on the pitch here. Uh, the last international match they had. You still had like 56,000 fans show up. So, wow. and here's the other thing. It's not just a great market from the standpoint of, you know, historically supporting uh, soccer. It's also great because there is a lot, and I mean a lot, 
of both corporate money in Charlotte, which obviously we Don Garber actually mentioned that today, the importance of the uh, the the corporate community here and, and how just gigantic it is. Sure. The other part is downtown here in Charlotte. There's a lot of young young folks with money and with time to spare. Uh, and, and if you put a good product out there, as we've seen with the Panthers, when they have been good, certainly not now, uh, <laughs> but but they are willing to spend it in uh, in, in Boku amounts at a, at one one at a time there. Nick, the reason I love this show and why ESPN LA, why I love that they let me do this once a week is you don't get a lot of soccer talk on the radio around the country. Bottom line, I mean, LA, one of the best soccer markets in the world, and this is what you get here, an hour of me every week. How is it going to move the needle, though, Nick, as, as, a, as a sports town? How, do you think it will, Frank? I mean, I know, again, you, you are a guy who knows a lot about a lot of things, and I'm sure you'll follow it, but you're not a diehard yet. How is it going to move the needle in Charlotte? Well, I mean, I can only, I can only draw inferences and, and kind of draw comparisons to, to two clubs here in town. If you if you look at the Charlotte Hornets, the yeah. Charlotte Hornets when they're good are the hottest ticket in town, <laughs> and we'll talk about them at any point. Sure. Uh, it hasn't been for about twenty years, but I can assure you uh, that we would talk about them. And look at the Panthers. You know, the Panthers. It took the Panthers. You know, in, in talking to people who were here when the when the franchise really took hold, mm-hmm. it took them about ten years, and they won early on. I mean, they had a Super Bowl within the first ten years of the franchise. There were a lot of things going for them. But it, it took a while to really take hold, so I think it probably will. When we, when we get to our side of this, it's going to take some time for there, well, not just for us to, to have the interest in there, but also for us to know how to talk about it. But I think from the fan perspective, you've already got the true soccer heads. I think when you talk about the other part of this, which is building you know, a, a really solid foundation outside of people who already love soccer, yeah. I would assume it's going to take a good five to ten years, but... That is also dependent entirely on how good they are. Mm-hmm. If if you this is this town, if you are red hot, this town will ride you. So if you can get out there and, and Tepper makes a good investment and they can build a, a good club right out of the the gate, that's going to shorten that time period significantly here. Yeah, but I like the five to ten years possibly. You know, because it's still an expansion side. I think that's right on. I think that's spot on assessment. Nick Wilson joining us from WFNZ Radio in Charlotte after Charlotte is announced as the 30th MLS side. And boy, the expansion, I think they're going to slow down a little bit, but you never know here. The expansion in the last few years and of course up and coming now with Charlotte is just red hot for MLS. Uh, David Tepper, by all reports, paying a uh, really a, an incredible sum, $325 million. And as Nick said, one of the richest men in all likelihood in MLS now after this gets done. Nick, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. He's one of the best in the business, folks. He's a friend of mine. I don't just say that, but uh, if you're ever in need of listening to anything going on around Charlotte, WFNZ Radio in Charlotte, Wilson and Parcel in Middays, want to leave it with this because you know that area. Atlanta United, Nashville now coming into the league, Nashville SC. Who's the big rivalry? Is it D.C. up north of there? I mean, what might become the rivalry here for Charlotte? It's definitely going to be Atlanta. Uh, if you didn't, if you didn't hear Dave Tepper, he made a few comments in this with, uh, you know, screw that other city, and that other city was Atlanta. <laughs> There's just a, a big brother, little brother thing with Atlanta yeah. and Charlotte. So, I mean, I've already got, you know, we already had a few people on the text line today talk smack about Atlanta. So that, especially if Atlanta and Charlotte can be good right out of the gate, uh, again, this thing is going to catch fire pretty quickly here. All right, if I come through town, Nick, dinner's on me, buddy. Thanks so much.
All right, and I'll buy you a soccer scarf, and we'll be even. Oh, I love that. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. The great Nick Wilson from WFNZ Radio in Charlotte handles Wilson and Parcel in the middays. Check him out. He is a, a, a good dude and knows what's going on in Carolina. Wanted to get his thoughts on what's going on in Charlotte here with David Tepper becoming the owner of the uh, new expansion side in MLS, Charlotte. And they've got some interesting names. If you're on Twitter, it's been going around that uh, you know some of the things were put out there in terms of trying to get trademark or whatever, legally trying to get the name all squared away, and there's been some possibilities. I think one of my favorite that I saw, I don't know if it's for sure, you know, in terms of that it's really a possibility. I know that they haven't officially chosen. Charlotte Athletic, love that. Love that. Charlotte Athletic FC, that would be awesome. I just love that name. I always wanted uh, my hometown of Cleveland to get a team way back in the day, you know, when the league started in the 90s, and there was some rumblings that Cleveland might get a team. Always wanted it like Cleveland Rangers or Cleveland Athletic. Thought it would have been awesome. That is a cool name. I hope that happens. Thanks again to Nick Wilson. Really appreciate him taking the time here on Soccer Weekly. We continue on. Stoppage time is coming up with the great Mario Rees. All of that and still so much more to get to. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. Oh, it is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. Thank you for joining us as you do each and every week. Oh, I love the beautiful game, and I know you do as well. And even if you don't, you love good radio, which is why you love this next segment. It is the best segment in all of radio. Stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah, stoppage time. It's stoppage time. Right now. Joining me, the great Mario Rees, the producer of LAFC and this show. He is the host of Stoppage Time. What's going on, Mario? A whole lot going on, as usual, Dave. A lot, a lot of good soccer stuff going on here, including Charlotte as the new MLS team. This is the 30th team 30th. now. 30th, yeah. 30 teams in MLS. Wow. Now, Commissioner Don Garber said this is likely the last expansion team in Major League Soccer. What do you think, Dave? Well, he mentioned that it's going to be a while, maybe. You know, potentially. I think he was kind of hinting at that. Um, so I don't know that they're done, Mario. I don't think they should be. And here's why, Mario. I think 32, if you're going to go this high, yeah. right, if you've got 30 teams, I think 32 is a great number. That's a good even number, yeah. Yeah, because now you can split it up into four conferences. Right. I know I know, people don't like to hear about that, the, the diehard soccer guy or whatever. Well, what that does is it allows for a 38-game regular season, which I think works very well. Why? Because eight teams in each conference, 32 teams. We know the number. We know the NFL. Mm-hmm. But you put eight in each, what, division, conference, whatever you want to call it, and you play each of those twice. That's 14 games against the other seven. Now you have 24 other teams, Mario, that you can split up the home and away, right? You don't play them twice, but half of them you'll play at home one year, the other half away, and then you switch it the next year, as we've seen. <laughs> so that equals another 24 games. That's a 38-game regular season, Mario. Uh, that's a balanced, relatively ske- you know, relatively balanced schedule. I think that's the way to go for MLS, Mario. I think 32 is the number. Now, I don't know who you feel should get in. That would mean two more teams if it was under the Dave Denholm plan here, Mario. What cities would you like? Because I, I know one right off the bat is I think they've got to go there. I think it would be immense, and I think it's Las Vegas. Las Vegas, wow. Yes, I think they would be huge. We've seen Las Vegas have success with the Golden Knights as a sports town. Now they're going to get the Raiders, and I do believe it is a good 
well, actually, I think it's a very good soccer market. Yeah, Las and Vegas know, lights do pretty well out yeah, there. Yeah, we know our buddy atmosphere. Eric Winalda there, obviously, handling the Las Vegas lights coaching. I love Vegas as a potential MLS side. And then you got to pick another strategic city, probably one back east, well, not east coast or anything, but, you know, another good television market, frankly, because that does matter. So what yeah. about you? Yeah, Dave, I agree. How about another team in California, though? Can we do that, you think? What do you well, think? I mean, you know, all due respect to the loyal down there in San Diego, I'm surprised that's not a market that MLS didn't jump on a long time ago, frankly. So I don't know. I mean, maybe the loyal will be something. What about it like a San Francisco? I, I know it's San Jose and San Francisco and then Sacramento. That might be, but that's a pretty good rivalry base there, too. Hey, San Francisco sounds good enough to me. What about a third one in Los Angeles someday, Mario? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. But <laughs> but I think there's enough soccer fans out here. Yeah, to do it, but, but nah, really we like don't that. need that. We no. got the Galaxy, and we have LAFC, and this that's what we love. Is good enough as it is. El Trafico, exactly right. He is Mario Reyes. Good stuff as always. I'm Dave Denholm. Thank you so much for listening to Soccer Weekly here. Our our next week's show, the day after Christmas, right here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA seven ten.